We continue with a Siddur snippet sponsored by Renee and Jack Nussbaum and the Schuss of Rafu Shlema for Aldobas Alta Chaya. Last night we left off with the bracha, Mikadesh Shmo Barabim, the bracha that was instituted on dying Al Kiddush Hashem. The Shlach Kodesh says that's the bracha one says of martyrdom when they give their life. And Rav Hanan quoted the Gra and tragically had to put in practice himself saying uh, that bracha when sacrificing their life. That concludes the section of the way we wake up in the morning of Kabbalah Salmachu Shemaim, that we begin our day by submitting to the dominion, to the providence of Hashem. And the next section that we continue with in our davening is the section of Korbonos. Tosus and Kedushan and Lamed quotes of Amram Go, and this is the second cycle of Torah learning that we've done that includes Mikra, Mishnah, and Gemara. It includes Psukim, Tanaitic literature, and Gemara. And in this next cycle in Karbonos, we repeat what we did after Birchas HaTorah by again now reciting Psukim, certain Psukim, the Kiyor, the Karbon Talmud, Mishnah, and then the, uh, the uh, Gemara as well. Tosus and Avodah defines Parshas Talmud as Mikra Izumakomam for Mishnah, and the Brisa of Rabbi Shmuel, the uh, 13 hermeneutical principles, qualifies for Gemara. The question is, why are we saying this now? Frankly, why are we saying it at all? In fact, that's such a compelling question that too many of you don't even say it. Too many people omit it. They don't say korbanos. They're either late, they don't relate to it, they don't identify with it, and tragically they omit korbanos, though korbanos is among the most significant, consequential, in some ways, authentic parts of davening. Moira Varabir of Shechter always points out the importance, the hierarchy of, of all the davening that we're doing, not to neglect and not to leave out korbanos to the point of you, didn't, you weren't there on time, didn't have time to say it early enough, to say it after, even if that is a, a machlokas. So why are we saying it here? Why are we saying it at all? It's too much for tonight alone, but we'll begin. We'll begin. So we just made this bracha, Mikadesh Shemcha Barabim, which is the bracha that was recited on martyrdom. Those who give their lives, who die, Al-Kiddush Hashem, said a bracha that the purpose of life is to sanctify God's name. And they pay the ultimate price and the greatest sacrifice to die in the name, in the defense of the name of Hashem. And we pointed out last night that we say that bracha every morning, even though, please God, that day we'll not experience martyrdom ourselves. Why? Because we're making the bracha, but on the inverse. It's a commitment not to die al Kiddush Hashem, but to do something that's even longer. And I won't, God forbid, say more challenging. It's not than giving one's life, but it's in some ways more challenging. And that is to live al Kiddush Hashem. So the very next section, after we pledge to lead lives in which we live Al-Kiddush Hashem, we talk about what that means. What does it mean to lead a life where you live Al-Kiddush Hashem? It means the willingness to bring karbanos. The willingness to literally make sacrifices. To be Moser Nefesh. And what an important message for our generation, as much or more than any other. We who live in a world of comfort and pleasure, your happiness, everything we do has to conform with what we want to do, what will make us happy, and Judaism says it's not so simple. While it's true, it's geschmack to be a Yid. And Rav Moshe famously said that we have to transition from Schwerzerzein to be a Yid. We shouldn't emphasize the difficulty of being a Jew. We should celebrate the joy of being a Jew. It's true. But now the pendulum has swung so far that we've made everyone feel entitled to always draw the geschmack. Everything has to be fantastic and fun and joyous and happiness. But Judaism tells us, you know, sometimes it's not easy. When you want to sleep in, you got to get up and daven. When you want to eat that food, you have to be strict that it's kosher. Just because you want to say that thing, you can't be lashanara. And you want to cut corners, but you have to be honest. And you're tempted to look, but you have to protect your eyes. 
It takes Mesiris Nefesh. You have to make Korbanos. To live Al Kiddush Hashem means to make sacrifices. That not everything is going to be pleasurable. And that the world won't conform to what we want the way we wish it to be. And so the continuation of the way we wake up in the morning, immediately after that pledge, that affirmation, God, I'm committed through my life. I'm going to work, I'm going to gym, I'm going to the supermarket. Whatever I'm doing in life, I'm committed to sanctify your name, even though I know that will sometimes take korbanos. I'll have to make sacrifices. It won't be comfortable, it won't be easy, it won't necessarily be geshmak. It happens to be the greatest geshmak is the willingness to sacrifice to invest in a relationship which gives the greatest return. In marriage, in parenting, in life, it's so geshmak to wake up in the middle of the night to take care of a newborn baby. It's not geshmak, it's geferla. Who wants to sacrifice the sleep to change a diaper? It's so geshmak, it's such fun. But we make karbonos for our children. You pay tuition, you make lots and lots of karbonos. Money you wish and you'd like to allocate for other use. Why? Because the return of the joy, the pleasure, the fulfillment of the relationship. And that's how we begin our day. This whole recitation of Karbanos is a reminder of a commitment that how are we Mikadesh Shem Chabarabim? How do we fulfill our mission to sanctify your name, God? Not only when it's fun and pleasurable and conforms with our understanding of the world, but even, even when it doesn't. Rav Pinkis in his Sefer on the Siddur says a little bit differently, but similarly. He says, you know, we just finished Birchas Hashachar. Birchas Hashachar, we elaborate on all these miracles, these blessings that most take for granted. I can see, I can walk, I have a roof over my head, I can eat, I can digest, I can eliminate. So what do you think, we're just entitled to all of that? There's no free lunch, and there's no free gifts, even of having our faculties. The fact that we have our faculties is mechaev, it obligates us. The fact that God has blessed us with these gifts is not because we're entitled to them, it's because it obligates us to use them in the, in the service of repairing the world in His image. So we finish Birchas HaShachar and we elaborate on all the miracles and blessings we have and we immediately shift, says Rav Pincus, to the recitation of Korbanos. That having all those gifts and experiencing all those blessings obligates us to be makriv Korbanos, to make sacrifices, to serve Hashem and to bring it all in the service of Hashem. While we don't actually bring sacrifices today, our prophets ensured that their theme and purpose would not be forgotten or neglected in their absence. And that continues to be the mechanism with which we achieve atonement, we draw close to Hashem. Even post the Chorban, the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, the prophet Hoshea tells us, that our lips replace the sacrificial bulls. We can't offer them, but by reciting them, we're able to achieve their same result. And what we'll speak about over the next few snippets is how exactly that works. Why should reading about them work? It's interesting, the Rambam, in the seventh chapter of Hilchos Tefillah, when he sets out the order of prayers, the Rambam omits the recitation of Korbanos. Did the Rambam not believe you have to say Korbanos? Is he the one everyone who skips Korbanos is relying on? The Rambam didn't write it. The Tur quotes the Medrash, the two writes, Kavu Likros Parshas Atomic Adisiba Medrish, Bismansha in Besa Mikdashkaya Matehe Alayam. Avram Avinu is having a discussion with God, will achieve atonement. We the carbon, the root of the word carbon is karov. We draw close to God. We feel his affection. We feel an intimate rendezvous with God through the offering of a carbon. So Avram says, God, that's nice when there's a Besa Mikdash. But what's gonna happen in its absence? Amalahem Kvarik Damti Lam Seder Kabanash Kosban Shoskimba Malani Alayam, Kilu Ikrivum Lafanayim. So the Torah quotes the Medrash that Hashem answers Avram. Don't worry, I took care of that. 
There's a text of the Korbanos. When you can't physically bring them, read the text, and that's how you'll draw close. And it's unclear exactly how reading the text helps. Is reading the text of Korbanos, is that an experience, an exercise in Limud HaTorah, or is that an exercise in Tefillah? This section of Korbanos that we're introducing that will continue the next few nights, when we say the Korbanos, is that part of Tefillah? Is it a prayer we're offering? Or is it a form of learning? We're learning about the Korbanos. And there are a number of Nafkaminas. It's Shulchan Aruch and Aruch HaShulchan. Do you have to stand? Or can you sit when you say Korbanos? Do women also say Korbanos? Or are only men obligated? There are several Machlokes which can be explained in understanding this. But what we'll explore together is, why should reading something count as if I did it? I tell my wife, let me recite a text as if I took the garbage out. Let me read a paragraph about doing the dishes. That makes it like I did the dishes? Not in this world. So how exactly does that work for Kabanos? Please God, that's what we'll address together.